0: mighty God. Thank you, Jesus, that it was one and done. Amen. We say O-N-E, one and done, but it was W-O-N, one and done. Hallelujah. Thank God it was one and done. We don't serve a God who's a loser, but we serve a God who's a winner. Amen. The greatest undefeated, amen, champion. Hallelujah. Whos oh, the champion of God, Christ Jesus. We're to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Not to a man, not to a preacher, not that we don't. You know, um, uh, not that we don't have confidence or we don't esteem a man or woman of God, you know, for who they are in Christ. But let me tell you, that preacher's not going to get you to heaven. You hear me? It's going to be through the blood of Jesus. Thank God for preachers. I'm a preacher. I want you to hear what thus saith the Lord. But it's going to take the blood of Jesus. Amen. So this morning, make sure you know in whom you have believed. Make sure you've got your calling and election sure. Amen. Make sure your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. Hallelujah. That's the only book you need to make sure you're in. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank God this morning. Thank God this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I want you to stand with me and turn and read. We're going to read uh, Genesis chapter 6. Not the whole chapter, just two or three verses. Amen. But stand with me. Genesis chapter 6, verse 12. While you're turning there, I just want to say thank you to everyone that came out yesterday and that served at our our, our street ministry um, uh, uh, event that we had yesterday. I was just so blessed when I pulled up, you know. And saw everybody that was serving and saw the turnout that we had. It was so awesome. Amen. If you just begin to, to, to endeavor to set out, to do something for the kingdom of God and do something for God, God will bring them in. Amen. He'll bring them in. I I'm so thankful. And you know, I don't, I don't usually quote things from the movie, but I remember that movie field of dreams that if you'll build it, they'll come. Amen. If you just place a table before them, I can tell you, God will bring people across your path to minister. He's not going to waste the opportunity of somebody that wants to sow seed into somebody's life and the word of God. And so I thank God this morning. I thank my son and my daughter-in-law. I thank all of my family, but I thank God for ministry leaders, amen, that have the mind of God. A church that is alive and that is growing and thriving is a church that reaches outside the four walls. Amen. Reaches outside the four walls and sees that there's a lost harvest out there. And we, you know, we're never doing enough. You can never do enough. There's always more that we can do. And so I thank God for everybody that helped and that served, and God will bless you for that. And uh, I know that we'll see fruit from that already are this morning. Amen. And so but in Genesis chapter 6 verse 12 the Bible says this and God looked upon the earth and behold it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth and God said unto Noah the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold I will sh- destroy them with the earth make thee an ark of gopher wood room shalt thou make in the ark and shall pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the the ark shall be 300 cubits, and the breadth of it uh, 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window, this is the, the key text this morning, a window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set it, uh, in the side thereof, and lower, and with lower second and third stories, shalt thou make it. But I want you to take note of a window in the ark. The window in the ark. We hear a lot about the door that God shut in there. We we shouldn't uh, diminish that or discount it. But I want to talk to you today about spiritual windows. About the window this morning. Would you pray with me over the word of God? Father, I thank you for the privilege and the honor to be here. I thank you for your spirit and your presence that's already here. And I pray, Lord, that you will just cause our hearts to begin to hear and receive the word of God. I pray, stir up, Lord, the, 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 the fire of uh, the Holy Ghost in us and the faith. God, whether there's a visitor, a member, whoever is here this morning, God, speak to them right where they're at on the level that they're at and the place that they're at because the, the, the ground at the foot of the cross is level, Father God. It's not difficult for somebody this morning. And so I pray, Lord, that you, God, would bring us all closer to you. Anoint, Lord, my lips of clay, and let me speak what thus saith the Lord. Stir the hearts of each and every person, and will give you all of the glory and honor in Jesus' name we ask. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. You can be seated this morning. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to back the preacher this morning. Praise God. Everybody tells the truth in here. Hallelujah. <laughs> I'm preaching a thought this morning entitled Spiritual Windows. I want you to listen to me this morning. I'm using this text as my starting point And why? Such a thought, you might ask, because the Bible references windows a lot. There's a lot of references to windows in the Bible. They are the means of spiritual perception. Uh, Windows are points of entrance and exit, just in the natural. You have windows you can see out, you can be seen in. They're a point of entrance, they're a point of exit. For Noah, the windows in the ark allowed fresh air and ventilation, but they also allowed in sunlight. Thank God for sunlight. Thank God for air. And uh, But they also allowed the dove to fly out and find an answer. And when the dove went out, Noah didn't always get the answer that he wanted. But eventually he got the answer that he was seeking after. Remember, he went out, the dove came back. Remember, the dove went out, came back with an olive branch. Then it didn't come back at all. Amen. I'm just, I'm grateful this morning that uh, for the windows in the Bible and the window in the ark was for a purpose. The window was the place that the spies also escaped. Also, King David escaped. When Saul was after him, he was let down out of a window down the side uh, of his home. Uh, The Apostle Paul in the book of Acts, or uh, actually Corinthians, but he was let down a wall uh, uh, in a basket to escape the persecution that was coming to him. And so, uh, you know, windows are a place of escape, but they're also a place where the thief can get in. Think about it. God told Noah put a window in the ark, and I interpreted that. And I asked, uh, I went on Google just to look and see, you know, where that window was placed. And there was fifty different pictures of an ark, how they were made. You know, there was arcs with window all the way around. There was arcs with the top on it with windows. And I, I just said, Lord, I can't go off of what somebody thinks. I've got to just read the Word of God, and what I understand is that. And my interpretation is that, of course, it was an 18-inch high window, and it was at the top of the length of the ark. I believe there was a a place on top of that arc. and that's just my, you know, observation. But the the, the fact of the matter is that it doesn't really matter, uh, you know, if uh, we don't know exactly how it was. But this much I know, it wasn't just a little window. You understand, there, 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 there had to be ventilation in that ark that was that was uh you know adequate enough for what they were dealing with, and so but knowing that I thought lord there was there was a window that was big enough that you could see the 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 morning sun and you could see the evening uh sundown, you could see that uh and I know that from the interpretation of the word, but even though reading this Noah had no control over the door, God had control over the door. Noah didn't have uh, uh, control over the direction of the ark because it had no steering wheel. But he did have control over the window. Amen. He had control over the window because the window was his only means of illumination or view outside of the ark. You see, we control the illumination and understanding that we have. Paul said, study to show yourself approved, a workman that need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You and I will determine through our study and through our our investment and our uh, gleaning from the word of God and study and research. As we begin to know the word of God, we will study and show ourselves approved of before God, show ourselves approved of before people even, because they will know that we know the word of God. And the word of God is very important to combat the enemy. And also to combat deception that we live in in people's lives today. Hallelujah. How do I know the truth? Know the word of God. His word is truth. That's what Jesus said. But you see we control the illumination. The understanding that we have. As we study to show ourselves approved. We'll not be ashamed. But as we rightly divide the word of truth, we'll know everything that God wants us to know for our life and what's ahead of us and what we need to know. In Psalms 119, 105, the Bible says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David wrote that. He also said in verse 130 that the entrance of thy words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. And the word does even more than that, because in Psalms 19.7, it says that it is perfect. The word of God is perfect, converting the soul. It is that which converts the life of the believer. I know it's a work of the spirit, but it's the seed of the word of God that brings faith in a person's life. And so he said that the word of God, is perfect, converting the soul with its sure testimony. That's Psalms 19, verse 7, if you want to read it on your own time, but I quoted it correctly. But see, there's a reason God told Noah to put a window in that ark. There are a lot of people in Christ, but they neglect to appropriate the graces of God. Let me say that again. There's a lot of people that are in Christ. There's no denying that they have a faith in God and a saving faith. But they're not appropriating all the graces that God gave them. Prayer is a window to God. The Bible, the word that you have in front of you is a window to God. The window in Genesis six sixteen translates not only as light, it actually says in the translation in Hebrew, a double light. That's how I know that the light could come in this way and the light could come in this way. I believe there was a window that went all the way down the perimeter of that ark on the top, almost like a little uh, like a little house on top. And you see that in many uh, uh, pictures, uh, a little house on the top with the roof. And on the top of it, but there was a window that went all the way around the top of that. And it was 18 inches high. There had to be enough ventilation. But it speaks to me that the light could come in this way. The light could come in this way. The light could come in any direction. It could come in, uh, you know, in many different facets. And we read in the word of God and God's light comes through his word. It's an entrance into our life. And people can be in Christ, but they're not appropriating the graces of God. The window translated not as only light, but also as olive oil. Did you get that? When I read that, I saw a a corresponding reference in the Hebrew that took me to another word. And if you read the Strong's and you look in the Concordance and you see... The Strong's Concordance, the Hebrew or the Greek word, you see that and it will take you to another uh, word that will, you know, complement the word that you're reading. And the uh, the word was light. It's a double light. It comes in, but it also referenced me to oil, The, the oil that comes out of the olive. It's that oil, and I wrote this down it's that oil. Let me find my place here. Hold on. It's that oil that fuels the spiritual light in your life. So it wasn't just the natural light that God was trying to explain whenever he's describing the window that Noah built, but it's a spiritual light into our life. It's spiritual light. It's spiritual illumination. It's that which enlightens our eyes. It is also the exit or release of everything spiritual. Jesus said to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And what was the one thing that he said you would be? A witness. There will be a witness from your life. You can be a witness without saying a word. The very presence of God upon your life and in your life will speak louder than sometimes the words that you say. I've been around people, and I've seen other people be around people, and 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 a Holy Ghost filled person around a person that's not right with God, or that's in rebellion, or bound by the devil, or oppressed. They feel very uncomfortable. Amen. I I I preached to people and didn't even say anything; just sat there and listened to them. I I I. I, I had somebody in my family that went to church with me one time. And the anointing of the Holy Ghost bothered them. And they even said, it, They said too much anointing in here? And I thought, well, you can't have too much anointing. Amen. Well, they need deliverance. Or they needed it at that time. But all I know is that your life is not only taking in things from God. Or the enemy. But you're emitting things too. You're releasing things. Come on now. I'm going to show you in the Bible. But I want to just say this. I remember Bracey Greer. He was a man of God. He passed away years ago. When I was at Living Waters. And I led worship. And he came up. And he pulled these songs out of the dirt. What do you mean? He pulled out hymns I'd never heard of in my life. And so... I quickly learned those songs, and I told him, okay, we'll learn them. And I got on them real quick, and we learned them, and I was singing them, and I fell in love with them. Just like that. And and so Pastor uh, Jackie came up to me after he had left, or maybe it was that afternoon. And I'm not saying this to say, look at me. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, you know what I like about that boy? I'm so glad I was a boy. <laughs> it's, it's an old man. I was young then. He said, I love I love his spirit. And at first I said, what did he mean by that, Pastor Jackie? I don't understand. She said, well, Jonathan, you know, there's the Holy Spirit. I was young in the Lord. She said, there's the Holy Spirit. And then there is, you have a spirit. We all have a spirit about us. Some people have an ugly spirit. Amen. Some of you are going He said, I love that boy's spirit because he didn't even blink. He just, whatever, whatever I wanted to do, he was willing to work with me. He wasn't up there and with an attitude that I don't want to do these songs. This guy just came in here and I don't even know him. And he wants me to learn all these songs in five minutes. And, but I just, I just love God and I just wanted to be a blessing. And I thought, you know what? I, I, I can do this. I know I can. And so we ended up doing, I learned some of the most beautiful songs I'd ever heard of in my life. Hymnals and they were just awesome. And, uh, but when, when, when he said that, I was puzzled because I didn't know anything of this, but. God began to reveal to me and show me that we get full of the Spirit of God. And there's a witness. There's something beautiful that comes from our spirits. Christ, it's the Spirit of God. It's the Holy Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit that comes from us. So we're taking things in. We're emitting things, sometimes good and that There are people that will emit things or they begin to release things. And they're ugly, they're carnal, they're demonic. So the window is a gateway. Don't ever forget it. Your eyes are gateways. Your ears are gateways. Amen? You will either access God or the devil will access you. It's no surprise the software that Bill Gates created years ago was called Windows. And those windows have opened up a gateway of demon possession. The world ain't never known. The church ain't never known, dealt with before. Windows. Isn't it interesting? You say, open up that new window. Open up the next window. Yeah. Don't go to that window. You may go into a portal you don't know how to get out of. Come on now. You know I'm telling you the truth. But you will either... Access God or the devil will access you because those windows are there for reason. That window has been the gateway to destroy many lives. That internet has been a tremendous blessing, but it has brought great bondage and curses too. Amen. Little kids that haven't even had a, a, a chance in life, they've been bound by that thing because their parent didn't want to take care of them didn't want to parent them, so they gave them a phone at eight years old and some old devil got in through a window and has absolutely got them bound up and they're 17 years old now or 18 years old and they can't overcome things and they wonder why their kid is depressed and suicidal and bound by the devil and a pervert at 17 years of age because a window was opened up. Come on now. I remember Carlos telling me about a story of a man that preached, and he said, the devil's always looking for access in our lives. And he said, you know, we don't just let him walk in the door and just have his way. No, he tried to. He said, there was a man, and he said, the devil came in and said, can I just have, you know, uh, can I have some space in here? And he said, no, you can't. And he said, the devil came back and said, can I just have a little corner? And he said, no, you can't have a corner. You can't have a spot. And he said, the devil came back and said, can I just have a nail in the wall? And that's what he does. He tricks people and he says, just give me a name. Just I, all I want is a name. Just a little nail. And what we do is we think, oh, it's harmless. It's just a name." What you don't realize is he said the man said the devil put a nail in the wall and then he brought a dead body in and hung it on that nail. You're stuck with the stench. You're stuck with everything that goes with that. Death comes in. Don't let the devil in through a window. Are you hearing me today? Windows. Now I'm going to get to some better stuff here, so hang on. Stay here with me. But I could go on and on and on and teach about the windows of deliverance. Because we know that the spies went out a window, Rahab's window, and went to their safety. David, uh, Michael, let him down out of a window and he went to safety. The apostle Paul, the same thing. And thank God for Rahab, amen, even though she was a harlot. She was a harlot with faith that God changed. That means there's hope for anybody. Come on now. We look at people and we say, oh, they'll never change. Yeah. Oh, Rahab changed, didn't she? Come on now. And she was written down in the genealogy in the New Testament. You know you're somebody when you crossed over in from the old to the new. But she had let a scarlet rope down that window, amen. That, that represents the blood. It represents the only access for deliverance is through the blood. <laughs> Isn't God so good that I could go on and on and on and just hit a few things? You say, well, you already are. Well, it might as well since I'm here. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Jezebel was cast out a window. Thank God she was. Oh, Jehu went with authoritative power and he said, you eunuchs up there, if you've had enough, throw that old Jezebel out. And they threw her out and she hit the ground. Her blood ran down and the dogs ate her body. Y'all didn't get too excited about that. Hello, Jezebel was a wicked, wicked woman. Amen. A wicked woman. Come on now. and. But she was thrown out a window by an authoritative Jehu that takes the power of God, a militant power of God to come against, you know, an evil spirit. But it can be cast out the window. I don't care what you've opened yourself up to. It can be cast out the window. But what about the window that Elisha, Threw open in his deathbed to give Joash direction that he never appropriated. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, you're going to have, you're, he, he, he said, my father, basically, you're about to die. And his tears were falling upon Elish, and Elijah stood up. Even in his deathbed, and he kicked open that window, and he said, come over here, Jay. Come over here, Joe Ash. Come here, Kyle. He said, come over here, because I'm going to give you a, a, you know, an illustrated message. Turn around here look at the folks. Amen. And he said, here's what I want you to do. He said, put that arrow. He said, pull it back. Pull it back. Boom. Let that, that. Go ahead and sit down. He let that arrow go. He wrapped his arms around him, and he said, this is how you're going to do it. So there's a window, amen, of opportunity, a window of faith, a prophetic window that God reveals to you and I, and he has somebody come up behind you and wrap their arms around you and say, I'm going to help you to learn, amen, how to shoot that arrow the right way. Well, what did Joash do? He sat there and he didn't even get the clue. He said, now tap that arrow on the ground. He went one, two, three. He said, you are not going to have the victory that you could have had if you would have beat that arrow to the ground. So when God brings deliverance to you, walk in the power of it. If some preacher gets up and preaches to you and tells you you can walk in victory and you get in that altar and that thing lifts and you're free from it, run in the power and the victory of that anointing. Don't go back to it. Don't go back and open the window. Once you kick it out, shut the window. I only want to highlight a few things. Just a few windows. Brother Talbert used to call them windows. The first window that I want to make sure that we all avoid is the window that Michael looked out of. Michael, David's wife. Amen. Yeah, she helped him out a window. But then she stood in a window and looked at him and despised him in her heart. That's what the Bible says in, in, in 2 Samuel 6.16 and 1 Chronicles 15.29. Almost an exact identical scripture to the letter. But she stood there as the ark was coming down the road. And David is dancing and he's shouting and he's praising God and he's worshiping God because he wanted that ark so bad. He wanted that ark because he knew there's power where that ark is at. If it's in the temple or if it's in the tent, if it's in the city of Jerusalem, it's right where it's supposed to be, amen. It's not supposed to be in the Philistines' hands. It's not supposed to be in anybody else's hands. But where it belongs, parked right there in the Holy of Holies. And so he's shouting and he's dancing. Amen. He's shouting and dancing. There's a spiritual dance and there's a worldly dance. Don't tell me there ain't. people. There is a worldly dance and there's a spiritual dance. And that was a spiritual. Da- How do you know there's a worldly dance and a spiritual dance? Because they were dancing on the bottom of the hill when, G- when Joshua and Moses came down. And they weren't dancing a spiritual dance. They were dancing a pagan dance. But then there is a spiritual dance. Y'all are getting excited with me this morning. There's a spiritual dance. And David danced before the Lord. He was shouting. He was praising God. And he danced his robe. Come off. And old Michael's looking at him through that window. She just despised him in her heart. And she said to him later. Oh. Didn't you just make a display in front of everybody in Israel? Oh, everybody was looking at the king. Nah, she didn't say it quite like this, but I must say, make a fool of himself. Well, we know that David danced before the Lord. Michael despised him. He was shouting and praising and dancing in the presence of God. Because he'd already been through a death, getting that ark there. He'd already failed and made a mistake. So to see that God was blessing and honoring what was taking place meant everything to him. Amen. It meant everything to him. Praise God. Praise God. Do you appear or perceive through a window but never participate? There's people in the church, they come, but they don't ever participate. And look, you don't have to be like everybody else, but you got to show something. Amen. Give God a little something. Amen. My dad used to say there was a man, he'd get up there and he'd just shake. said, see another lady over there? She'd be shouting and dancing in the front aisle, dancing in the presence of God. And he said there was an old man that would sit at the back of the church and he'd have his hands up in the air. Tears streaming down his face, and his eyes were just fluttering. Ooh. And he wasn't fluttering over chocolate cake, I can tell you. What do you mean, Pastor? Some people, they get excited about food. He said, oh, look at old brother back there in the back. He said, you know, the spirit of God's all over, and he just weeping. Them, them eyes are just fluttering. Spirit of God was on him. That was his greatest worship and praise. Amen. I know God could have moved him on down to the middle, but you know what? Don't, let me tell you something. Let's be very careful. We don't know where people are at, but, and so don't call, don't put a judgment on them because they don't compare with you. But on the flip side of that, if you are not worshiping God with everything you've got within you, if I see you jump three rows in a ball game, but you sit there like a rock in the church, then you're not giving God everything you've got. Amen, are you hearing me? Michael loved the idea of royalty, but not the indignity of a base humility of worship. Jesus, the son of David, humbled himself even greater than David, leaving glory to become a man, to hanging on the cross naked. That's not the pictures they show. I can tell you. I've heard it preached and I've read it in commentaries. He was on the cross in shame and nakedness. That's the fact. So. I look in the Bible, don't ever forget this. Anything you see a great patriarch do, God always outdoes it. Amen. Abraham wasn't allowed to give his only son, God he said, I'm going to be the one to do that. David danced down to nakedness, and I believe he had, you know, undergarments on. That was considered nakedness. But God said, my son, will we'll, we'll hang in shame for the world, for the shame of sin. It was even greater. Amen. There's nothing that God will, will be outdone on. Are you hearing me? He will, he will show us. Those were all things that point to Christ Jesus. But Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me, I will be ashamed of you. So don't look through the window of despisement but worship god with everything that is within you amen amen so we can see through a window and not rejoice in the ark but despise it and 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 and, and passionate worship also in acts 20 verse 9 eutychus was in a window and fell asleep during paul's message it is a long one But he fell asleep in the window seal and he fell down three stories. That'll preach right there. The window of lukewarmness. People sit in a window of lukewarmness and they fall asleep with the greatest man of God preaching to them, the Apostle Paul sitting there preaching to them. He's sitting there and he fell asleep. Well, maybe he was tired, Pastor. I might tell you something. I'm gonna tell you something. There is a spiritual slumber and lethargy, and then there's of course the natural. But uh, you know, um, I-, I just believe that we are a tired generation. We become a very lazy generation. We become a generation that has been lulled to sleep. And, and, and through decadence in the church have taken our ease at Zion and we're just kind of kicking back. But I'm going to tell you that we cannot be spiritually asleep, but we've got to be awake. We've got to be sober. We've got to be vigilant. We got to wake up. Amen. And we got to make sure that our, our, our minds and our heart are passionately on Christ and not fall asleep and be low to sleep in the lukewarmness of the time. Stay on fire for God. That means you have to work. When I say work, not work your way to heaven, but you're going to have to put in some effort. I'm so sick and tired of hearing people talk about, you as a Christian, you don't have to do nothing. Yes, you do. (laughs) Nothing in this life is without conditions. Amen. Nothing. You can't even be full from eating if you don't put the food to your mouth. You can't even live and have breath in your lungs if you don't inhale. We act like people just come and they just repeat after me. I can tell you it's more than repeat after me. We've got, there's a lot of, there's a lot of of, of, of evangelistic abortions that take place. People never get born of God. We must be born again. When you're born again, you're alive. You don't get come and get in an altar and ask God to forgive you of your sins or accept Jesus or however you want to say it. There's all these terminologies that are not in the Bible. You must come in faith and say, Lord, I'm surrendering my life in you. I believe in you. I'm going to change my life. He'll give you the power to do that. The people come down and say, well, I accepted Jesus, I repeat after a prayer. And then you never see him again. You never hear of him again. But when you see him come back to the house of God, you say they got something. Hallelujah. We must be born again. So, uh, let me get back here. Eutychus fell asleep during Paul's message. And Paul didn't let him lay there and die, thank God. But he ran down and he wrapped his arms around him. And he prayed him back to life. Do you see somebody that's fallen into a lukewarm, slumbering stupor begin to pray for God to wake him up? And the wake-up call might be they lose their job. I I hate to say that, but sometimes we labor in prayer and we say, God, no matter what. People say, well, be careful no matter what. I said, no matter what is better than hell. I'd rather somebody pray whatever it takes or no matter what than for somebody to split hell wide open. That's not love. To say, I don't want them to go through anything in this life. You know, I've prayed that way. I've said, God, I want them to be right. I don't want them to have to go through all of the things that I think is going to bring them to that place. And he said, you don't you don't love them like you think you do. Because I can tell you, if you're my child, then I can chasten you. And if, if I'm chastening them, I'm bringing them in. There has to be that. Don't fall out of that window of lukewarmness. Some slumber in a window of lukewarmness to their own death. And as I said, it takes an anointed servant of God with compassion to pray them back to life. That was verse 10. Apostle Paul said he ain't dead. The Bible says he fell to his death. Paul said he ain't dead. You know, I love it when people say they're not here yet, but they're coming. Oh, but you don't understand. They're so far. I don't care how far they are. Some of you in here were far away. Some of you, amen, there were people that said you would never come back, and you're here today. Hallelujah! You were the worst student of Habra, but you're here today. You were the worst one in Orange County, but you're here today. You were the one that didn't believe in God, but you're here today. And so thank God for a preacher, or prayer warrior that gets around you and says, you know what? They are not dead. Hallelujah. They're not dead because we're going to pray them back to life. Hallelujah. There's hope. Stay out of the window of lukewarmness. For the Jews, and this could apply to any one of us, there is the window of the calling and the wooing of God that must awaken us from our slumber. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 9, this is what the Word of God says. And of course we know the Song of Solomon I've heard commentaries, even preachers that I had great esteem for say it's only about earthly natural marriage. I said wrong. That is, there's nothing in the Bible that does not have a spiritual attachment or, you know, connotation to it. It relates. This is God and his bride. And you know who his bride is? You and me. His bride, the, the bride of Christ is, the, is is us, it's the Jews, it's 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 those that name the name of Christ. That is who the bride is. And he's speaking in this second chapter of Song of Solomon 2, verse uh nine and 10. And he said, My beloved is like a roar or a young heart. Behold, he standeth behind our wall and he looketh forth at the windows. Showing himself through the lattice. My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And God said, there are those that have received Christ. They've come away with him. They've received him. They've embraced him. They believe in him. They're following him. They're one with Christ. That's a physically affectionate word. When you're one with your spouse, your wife, or your husband, you are one physically. That is one of the greatest evidences or the greatest enacting of the covenant of marriage. That's a sign of covenant of marriage. That a couple is intimate with one another. If they're not intimate, there's no covenant there. There's a covenant there. There's intimacy. Amen. Because otherwise you would just be roommates sharing a house. But where there's a marriage covenant, there is intimacy. And when you're one with Christ, there's intimacy. It's in a prayer meeting. It's in a prayer closet. Amen. And when you come from that prayer closet of being intimate with him, life comes. Amen. Some people are pregnant with God. Well, hallelujah, they're pregnant with God. They're pregnant with life. They're pregnant with hope. They're glowing. But he said, my beloved sees me through the windows. Showing himself through the lattice. This is the calling of his Shunammite bride. We know Jesus came unto his own, the Jews, and they received him not. So he moved, actually, through the apostles into that Gentile world. It's biblical. They went out into all the world and there's so many scriptures about how that he went to that Gentile world because the Jews rejected him. Even some of the uh, parables that Jesus recorded or recorded about him, about the fig tree, it represents a, a, a tree that has produced nothing. And so it there was that in essence curse of that that it's there's no life there but i just want to share with you that he moved towards the gentile and thank god he did because we're gentiles for the most part unless you're jewish this morning and i don't know it but we're jews grafted in we're we're a branch grafted in and he ain't forgot his original branch He has not forgot his branch grafted in. He never forgot the Jews. He never forgot his covenant. Stay here with me because we're talking about windows. He never forgot his covenant with Abraham that he made that your seed will be as the sands of the shore, the stars of the universe without number that you and I were in that number. But in fact, the final effort evangelistic effort prophetically in the book of Revelation and even in the Old Testament is that the Jewish men, there will be evangel- there will be evangelists in the form of 144,000 Jewish men that will evangelize the Jews during the time of the Great Tribulation. Why? Because they have rejected Jesus as the Messiah. They were taught he was a prophet their whole life. They were taught that he's a part of history, but he's not our Messiah. We're waiting for our Messiah. Well, Messiah has come. Amen. We know that he has come, but we know that there was a final prophetic effort in the word of God. Yet in the meantime, think about this. That is why they're down there praying at that wailing wall. And I've been there twice at that wailing wall down there where those Jews are. And they're down there and they're praying and they're putting those prayers in that wall and praying and praying and praying for hours at a time. But meanwhile, they're down there praying, waiting for the Messiah that has already come. which the Torah commentators call the lattice to God. I want to just share something with you this morning. Even though the temple has been destroyed, there's only one original piece of that building that still remains today. And it's that way. And you know, I want to share this with you too in first kings chapter 9 verse 3 i want to read a little nugget hidden in the word of god maybe not hidden to you but but it was revealed to me that i'm telling you will make you shout because we stand upon god's word that has come to pass why do we believe what we believe because there's so many prophetic uh prophecies that have come to pass that's why 100% except for the end things that are the end time events that are going to come to pass and we're seeing the culmination of those now but in first kings chapter 9 verse 3 the bible said unto uh, god said unto solomon he said In verse 2, the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time as he had appeared unto him in Gibeon. And the Lord said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and thy supplication that thou hast made before me. I have hallowed this house which thou hast built to put my name there forever. And mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. There is something that God has made sure of That he has not forgotten. And that is his covenant to the Jews. Amen. They don't believe what we believe. But God said. They're standing there at that lattice wall. And they're trying to press in. Because that's the only thing they have to hold on to. Is that wailing wall. That's it. That old abomination is sitting on the top of that temple uh, rock there. The dome of the rock. It's sitting up there. That muslim dome amen but one day it's going to be gone amen and there's going to be a a, a revival of the original temple god's going to rebuild that thing he's already in the works but meanwhile they're down there at that wailing wall and they're not giving that thing up. And I don't blame them. That's the only prophetic peace that they have to hold on to that's still there today. Amen. But as we, not to mention that, of course, he established Israel as a nation. No matter how many times the devil tried to destroy them, God restored them again and again and again and again. And if you read history, Israel, I can tell you, it always bounces back because God prophetically said, that is my piece of land. That is where I will come back. Amen. He's going to come back. New Jerusalem, just read your Bible. But all of that being said, what they refuse to believe or accept is that Jesus is the Messiah. They wail at a wall that keeps... Their hope alive. But we. We're not at a wailing wall. Hoping to get an answer. We got something better. I'm going to read it to you. Hallelujah. The God of eternity said. Israel. I'm calling to you, come away through that lattice window. Come away. And they're standing there with they only knew if they just believe in Jesus. They just accept Jesus, but they stand there and they wail at that wall. But the Bible says, and I love this in Second Peter chapter one, verse 19, Second Peter, Chapter 1, verse 19, the Apostle Peter said, We have also a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. Amen. Amen. For the prophecy came not in old time, verse 21, by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. What is our sure word of prophecy that we have? The greatest window that was ever made, the greatest window that was ever made was when Jesus hung on the cross. Oh, get ready. And when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He gave up the ghost. But before he did that, he said, it is finished. And the Bible says from the top of that veil in that temple, all the way down, he ripped open that veil. And the greatest window that God could ever make and open for you and I to walk into the light of the gospel, the light of the truth, the power of God, amen. The Bible says that in the word of God, he said the veil was ripped in two, so there's no more partition between God and man. There's no more anything that's keeping you and I from pressing in, hallelujah. That's why we got something this morning because we can go boldly... before the throne of grace. in our time of need and trouble. Hallelujah. We can step into that holy of holies. And we can make our petitions known. And we can plead with God. And we can begin to come to the intercessor. Amen. And begin to say please. Leave my case before the Father. lead my case in the eyes of God. There is the greatest window ever made. And it's a window where the anointing flows. It's the window where there's an answer. There's not just a hope from something of days gone by that is still prophetically going to come to pass. But we have a sure word of prophecy. That's Jesus Christ and him crucified. Our hope is in Christ Jesus. So church, let me tell you today, you looking for a window, You're looking for God to open up an opportunity or give you a window. Amen. I'm telling you today, you don't have to look no further. You don't have to look no further. For he said, come boldly before the throne of grace in your time of need and trouble. Come boldly. Come boldly. Press in. You can come to that mercy seat and come run into that mercy seat and fall before that mercy seat. Amen. God said it's open for you. That's why we can receive the Spirit of God like we can. There is no more withholding anymore. We can press in. We can know Him this morning. So those windows, there's windows you need to avoid. And there's windows you need to embrace. Some folks this morning need to embrace the fact that God paved a way and made a way so you and I could come boldly to the throne of grace. What's your problem? It's no problem for God. He's bigger than all of our problems. He's bigger than all of our fears. He's bigger than all the giants that come across our path. God's bigger than any mountain that you can or cannot see. Hallelujah. He's bigger. He's greater. He's more powerful. There's no, You're looking at people sitting in this room, myself included, that came out of deep, deep depravity, and God set them free. If he did it for us, he'll do it for you. Amen. If he did it for us. He'll do it for you. Praise God. It blessed me so much last week when we went over there. We're ministering to those women. I was cooking. Other people were ministering, but we were serving. And that one woman who's a treasure, she said, I was a methamphetamine addict for 20 years. She was a treasure too, you know, but she, you know, you got to do whatever you got to do to, 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 to feed your habit and support your habit. But she said, she said, I, I was, a, I was a methamphetamine addict for 20 years. And she said, I tried rehab. I tried this. I tried that. She said, but whenever I gave my life to Jesus, she said when I went down to that altar and I committed my life to Christ Jesus, she said I got up from there and I have never taken another meth in again. She said, God set me free at one altar call. If he did it for her, he can do it for you this morning. He can do it for you this morning. He's a God who said that window is wide open. The window of heaven are kicked open for you and me. Stand with me this morning. What do you have need of this morning? What is your need this morning? God will take care of it for you. Worship team, come up here and help me. Church, would you just for a moment stay in the attitude of prayer. Stay in the attitude of prayer. Stay here with me this morning. Almighty God, mighty God, Oh, Jesus, some folks this morning, you need to get in this altar. God has brought you here today, and he said unto you, this is your day of salvation. This is your moment of salvation. This is your day of visitation. If you'll come, amen. What do I do, pastor? Just get in this altar. Amen. Begin to talk to God. Amen, you've opened up a lot of windows in your life. But let God begin this morning, amen, to just begin to bring you to the window of hope, which is this great open veil that you and I, amen, can get what we have need of this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Almighty God, almighty God.